Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash genre. Over 180,000 titles to choose from from your iPhone, Android, or Kindle. That's audibletrial.com forward slash G-E-N-R-E. Weirdo Bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hi, genre junkies. This is Sandra. And this is Scott. And welcome to our uh, redo women in horror month, kind of. It's makeup month. <laughs> but really, it should, oh, every month should be women in horror month. It shouldn't, shouldn't need a designated month. It doesn't. If every female horror book was like this, which a lot of them are, I would read nothing but female horror authors. Ooh, that's a very good indication. So tonight we're going to be talking about Creatures of Wanton Ruin by Molly Tan. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about our pop culture influences of the past yeah, couple of weeks. We've watched a lot of movies recently. We have. We've done quite a bit. So first of all, us. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. I just want to jump straight into it. Um, a lot of people are finding this film very polarizing. I'm kind of more following people who are like super into it because we were super into it. I thought it was a great movie. I love Jordan Peele. So on board with him and his vision and his use of humor and his use of social commentary. Um, I loved it. That was great. We won't spoil it, though. Yeah, I've been going back and forth on it, never to a point of not liking it. There's a lot of really deep-seated meaning in it that mm -hmm. I really appreciate. I feel like I need to see it, you know, at least one more time, if not a couple more, before I really have a handle on it. Well, and I feel like if people didn't want to look deeply into it, they didn't have to. Like, if you want, like, if you're not the type of film goer that wants a, like, deep meaning, and you just wanted, like, you know, a couple hours of distraction, it's fine. Yeah, but, it's very fun for that. Yeah, but it's got, like, a lot, it's got, like, a lot of layers and amazing performances. Um, it was good. It was really good. So, I mean, I, I can't understand the negative things people are feeling about it. I, I just, I'm like, no, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I just don't see where you're coming from on this. Uh, so we also saw Pet Cemetery. Yes, we did, which we had differing opinions on. Well, here's the thing is I really liked the movie. I had a great time watching the movie. I thought it was well acted. It, it was cool looking. But, you know, I am coming from a different place. Uh, the original Mary Lambert film is a childhood favorite of mine, has a lot of sentimental value to me. And I'm obviously obsessed with Stephen King. He's my hero. So it, there's like, you know, I'm like bringing like baggage into this movie. And I didn't compare it to the original, but there's an inevitable comparison to the book. And, you know, I, I like how the book goes really deep, deeper into these themes of death and people interpreting death and what that means and how, like, a family deals with death and grief as well as an individual. And, you know, I just I, I'm just going to miss that 
in a film adaptation. I think that that's fair, but I think it's also fair to say that Stephen King's books have a lot of uh, meanings in them, which is why they tend to be so long. Mm-hmm. I think when you're making a uh, uh, an adaptation for a movie, a lot of that stuff's going to have to fall to the wayside. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. But so it, that's why I just, I had a good time, but I'm not like, oh my gosh, this movie hit me right where I live. I thought it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I thought it had a lot of surprises considering I already knew what to expect. (laughs) Yeah, you haven't read the book, but you have seen the original movie. Yes, which I love. Yeah. Uh, And and, I mean... And I live with you, so mm-hmm. how could I not know everything Stephen King related? I, I really I enjoyed it. I thought it was really well, really well executed. The mm-hmm. the actors were fantastic. I was yeah. not sure how I was going to feel about John Lithgow, <laughs> uh, but I, I thought that he was ultimately a perfect choice for the role. He's so oddly charming. I don't know why. I just was like, oh, I'm so oddly charmed by you, sir. So besides that, some TV stuff, the new season of Sabrina came out. And, you know, as we've talked about, we're really slow getting through TV shows because we spend a lot of our time reading and then trying to keep up on movies. But we did finally finish season one. Oh, my God. And we love it. We love it so much. It is everything. It's everything. It's a fun show. It has that same melodrama of Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm-hmm. while while having characters that are just, I don't know, it, it, it walks a really fine line between just like the fun, nice characters and uh-huh. the really evil undertones that, that works really yeah. well. It's really dark and it goes really dark and it's also very funny. Uh, just everything about it, the art direction, the sets, the costumes, I love all of it. Um, there's the tongue-in-cheek Satanism going on, which is really like it could be any uh, organized religion that is, you know, trying to control people and take away your free thought um, while all the same time pretending that, no, everything's fine and you're totally free. Like, it it could be anything. It's just a great uh, fill-in euphemism uh, for religion in general and for uh, freedom and individuality. It's just really cute. And I'm a long, long time Archie comic fan. So Sabrina and I, we we go way back. With all of the media culture that we've been absorbing over the past couple of weeks, it's mm-hmm. a minor miracle we were even able to finish this book. Oh, and one more thing, too, because um, I ended up having a day where I had some a lot of free time and I finished season one of uh, Channel Zero. And I started season two. Without me. Well, you said you weren't that on board. And I'm like, I got to start absorbing this Channel Zero stuff. Yeah, no, I told you you to please watch it without me. I'm very happy. And while you edit this episode, I will probably watch some more. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Just then I won't feel like I'm ignoring you. At least you'll have your (laughs) horror to keep you company. Always have my horror to keep, always have my horror to keep me warm. We could always catch up on the next book instead of falling behind again, like we almost did this week. Now, here's the thing is generally speaking, I don't fall behind. Typically, you don't. We both did. I'm the one that's always like, you know, I've got my other books going on. I'm seeing other books on the side. I got my side piece books. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I should spend a little more time with our book. Um, But this one just really got away from me. And it was a little bit of a a photo finish for both of us on this one. Let's go ahead and start talking about it. Sure. So this is, of course, the spoiler-free section of the program. And then we will move on to a spoiler section for the second half. So this is Creatures of Wanton Ruin by Molly Tanzer. 
Amityville Bay woman Ellie West fishes by day and bootlegs moonshine by night. It's dangerous work under prohibition. Independent operators like her are despised by federal agents and mobsters alike. But Ellie's brother was accepted into college, and Ellie's desperate to see him go. So desperate that when wealthy strangers ask her to procure libations for an extravagant party, Ellie sells them everything she has, including some booze she acquired under unusual circumstances. What Ellie doesn't know is that the booze is special. It's distilled from foul mushrooms by a cult of diabolists. Those who drink it say terrible things, like the destruction of Long Island in fire and flood. The cult is masquerading as a church promising salvation through temperance and return to the, quote, good old days. So it's hard for Ellie to take a stand against them, especially when her father joins. But Ellie loves Long Island and she loves her family. She'll do whatever it takes to ensure neither is torn apart. Now, I think that's actually um, a really great synopsis from the back of the book. I didn't write this one. But it doesn't mention like another really important key character in the book, which is Finn. So that's a little disappointing. Still, like this gives you a good idea of, okay, I see what we're getting into here. So technically, this book is a sequel. Did you know that? I did not know that. It is uh, a sequel to the novel, same author, uh, Creatures of Will and Temper. But it's all like that type of like spiritual sequel they're all about diabolus yeah i got the impression that it i mean i did know about that book i got the impression that it wasn't so much a sequel as it was just existed in the same right, universe a, a spiritual sequel i have a yeah. feeling there might be a one character i have a feeling is from the first book i i, I know who you're talking yeah. about and i would not be surprised and the first book sounds fantastic i i think we will be reading it if you feel the way i do about these books but it's um set in victoria in England. And so this one is in 1920s Prohibition era America, Long Island, New York. And then there's another one coming out that's set around World War II. And I think that might be back in England. So you can kind of see what she's doing here. She's kind of following uh, a timeline of these um, people. And they're all somehow connection to Diabolist cults. I like the concept and I like her theme that she's going with for this. Yeah. This, this, and really when it comes to demonic possession, the the ideas, the the opportunities are endless. Oh yeah. When you start introducing demons, demons have such a, they have a really wide range they can do because they can be kind of fiery. They can be kind of clever. They can be kind of smarmy. They can actually be kind of a, like neutral and they can be kind of good sometimes and i really like that i like when you can really like explore the concept of a demon and take it lots of different places um so let's start with one of our patented scores here yes experience score and i will go first if you don't mind you have the floor well my my experience over the past two weeks I would have to say that this book was a struggle because, well, no, 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 bear with me. I had a real hard time just getting time to read. And That's so, not the book's fault. no, it's not the book's fault because this goes into my second point. My actual experience with the book, once I really like hunkered down and said, okay, I'm going to read this book, mm-hmm. was Page Turner. Oh. It's really good. I really love the way that she writes her characters. Mm -hmm. Her characters are so believable and interesting, and I immediately, you know, felt for them. But they're incredibly unique at the same time. It's really hard to to find that kind of a balance with the characters in particular, where Mm -hmm. they're 
they're very unlike me and unlike my experiences, but they're just so unapologetically them and their experiences are still relatable. Yeah. And, and that's really what what grabbed me into this book. Was the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do like our character focus books for the most part. Um, it's not 100% true, but for the most part, we lean towards that way as we've discussed, yes. as we're discovering. Yeah. Um, so I had a similar experience. I would not say struggle. I was a little stressed to get this book done. And it's not a very long book. It's less than 400 pages, but just timing wise. But honestly, it was a page turning experience. I really enjoyed it. I've mentioned here before that I'm a big fan of horror set in different eras um, because I do like history a lot. And I feel like she did such a beautiful job of making history relevant to today based on her character's wants and emotions and feelings because people forget that you know people are people and we always have been and we always will be and the, some things won't change and you know she addresses kind of some different types of like sexuality in this book and some different kind of uh, lifestyle choices a little bit and makes it feel very natural because you know human sexuality is not a new concept <laughs> and people have always had the ways they feel and the things they do. And I like that she gives her characters breathing room to not be some cookie cutter, whitewashed, stereotypical version of like, oh, well, this is the 1920s. Isn't this how 1920s people act? And it's like, no, everybody's not a flapper. <laughs> and, and even even if you were to place these characters into current day, oh, yeah. none of them fall into a, a category. Yes. There's nobody who is, you know, this sexuality or this gender or this. There, there's nothing there's that's, some, like, that's fluid. so Specific. Yeah, it's just it's just very fluid. They're just unapologetically them. Yeah. And I really like that because it's true and it's real and it's how people were then and it's how people are now, even though sometimes in media and pop culture, we don't see that because people were so much more guarded and kept a lot of things behind closed doors. It's just like it's just like Aunt Sandy always says, there's no such thing as the good old days never existed. People were just embarrassed and hid stuff. <laughs> I, w- I just want to um, strengthen the point that what we're talking about when it comes to their their selfness and their 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 sexual identity in, in ways none of this is spoilers. Don't expect anything oh, no. it's like not, crazy no. to come at you or or, or anything you know. Well, deliberate to hit you just expect them to be themselves well no because we wouldn't like it if um their identities were for sport and plot purposes uh, agreed yes. yeah i think that's what you're trying to say there's nothing exploitive about um these characters and how they live their lives um have you ever had moonshine i have yes like real bathtub like gin real bathtub somebody gin, made I this have. spirit at home and not beer or wine yeah absolutely it's terrible it's really? awful yeah never had it um have have you ever had Everclear? I think you know I have. Yeah, I, I know you have. It's like that, but what I had at least tasted uh, sharper and mustier. Does it burn like the devil? Yeah, it really does. Oh, man. Now, you can buy, quote unquote, moonshine yeah, but at it's the not, liquor store. Yeah, That's but totally it's not, it's different. Not, it's not the same. And I'm going to say, I'm sure that there's there's moonshine out there. There's bathtub gin that yeah. is much better than what I had, but what I had was horrific. Um, The cover of this book is 
<sighs> breathtaking. This Unique. is oh no! This for me, I am like, oh, I'm in love with this cover. I could stare and stare and stare. It's almost like this. Oh, gosh, it's really period looking font. Looks almost like a uh, like a like a circus or sideshow poster from back in the day. It's got this almost mixed media layering of bottles and mushrooms and skulls and fog and leaves and this girl's face and that oh my gosh, it's just absolutely beautiful. It really calls to the pulpiness of the time, the the, the pulp fiction covers that you might find. And same thing, that great font um, is repeated on the spine, and then it has a beautiful kind of dirty, dusty, minty back to it that just feels so 20s to me. Um, Yeah, really, really well-designed book from Mariner Press. <laughs> I see now. Um, so before we talk about Molly's writing a little specifically, I had mentioned Finn, that character, Delphin, uh, Colted. Well, yeah, but yeah, she goes by Finn. Goes so by Finn, so yeah. I think she, I don't know, in like a 1920s transatlantic accent, so Delphin yeah. is kind of what I thought because mm-hmm. she goes by Finn. I don't know. Anyway, um, I love Finn and Ellie, our two main characters. Ellie's the uh, working class bay woman. Finn is a socialite, <laughs> essentially. And they could not be from more opposite worlds. And their point of views are very different. And just when you're in their mind and the books are very different. But I like them both. Um, I like the way they play off of each other. There's nothing about it that felt like contrived. I thought they were two really great, strong female heroines, and I really enjoyed following them in this book. I loved them both, too, particularly Finn. Oh, I had a feeling. I I feel like, you know, I'm a guy, but I feel like those two characters, really, uh, everybody is going to relate to one or the other primarily. Yeah. I mean, I, I... I loved and respected Ellie, yeah. but I I identified with Finn. Oh. And I really, just the way that she feels things and the way that she approaches things, mm-hmm. it just was so relatable to me. And it's it's so sad, the situation that she is in. I mean, we like literally on the first three pages of meeting her, you realize she's basically being gaslighted by her family. Well, so Finn is more on the, Great Gatsby kind of parties and life is kind of fabulous and yeah she does charity and stuff because it's causes and it keeps you busy um, but I mean and she's not shallow like that but she's she's actually quite deep and very compassionate and smart but she's from a shallow world um you know she went to finishing school she married a lawyer like she was supposed to do and now she's kind of growing out of like her party girl phase and you know kind of becoming like an independent female adult and so then on the other side you have ellie who is just like the breadwinner in her family and trying to send her incredibly talented little brother to college to be a doctor. He's very smart and very capable. And she has these struggles with her parents and she's, you know, engaged to be married and and she just has a lot of plates spinning. (laughs) So you can see how the two are going to, you know, not they're they're not going to mesh right away. And Ellie in particular is interesting because she 
in one way, she has taken the struggles of her entire family on her back. But on the other side, she's so fiercely independent and her own person that it creates a really great dichotomy with that character. She just takes so much responsibility, but it's because she just it, she she's going to take care of it. And then these demons and Diabolus get involved and everybody's life just goes to hell in a handcart. So <laughs> a lot of though, I actually kind of want to talk about about, you know, the horror of this book. Yeah, I was hoping to move into that kind of thematic stuff and Molly's writing. Yeah. So I there's a lot of really scary stuff in this book. There's a lot of really mm-hmm. typical horror stuff in this book. The stuff that got me the most uh-huh. is there's a lot of just heartbreaking situations. There's a lot of real life horror, non-supernatural horror too. I mean, when it comes to friendships, when it comes to family, when it comes to expectations and mm. dreams, and there's a lot of points in the book that just makes you heartbroken for what's happening to the characters. I know I'm a broken record, and that's fine, <laughs> but my favorite type of horror, the horror that really sticks with me is stuff where there's a lot of different kinds of horror going on. There's like supernatural horror. There's like family horror. There's coming of age horrors. There's, you know, like it makes you laugh. It makes you cry. It makes you scared. It like makes you run the gamut of emotions and different ways to be horrified. And this definitely fits into that sort of vibe. Plus, there's good supernatural stuff, too. I mean, there really is good supernatural stuff. It does not shy away from the supernatural. It goes um, all the way down. Really original kind of concepts, too. There's something kind of eldritch to it. Yeah, if you are interested at all in in eldritch horrors or demonic horrors, this is right down your alley, but it's also going to be very unique to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least it was to us. Uh, it's not just your typical story in, in that vein. So we kind of talked a little bit about how Molly has a great sense of writing a historical piece and specifically a horror set in a time period. Uh, she has a great concept of the language, the slang, the lifestyles, the way people rebel, the way they kind of softly rebel against it. She has two really different characters that have really distinctive voices and points of view. And I, there's not a lot of combat in this book, but I felt like she wrote combat very well. I feel like she is an archer herself. Oh, um, yeah. I would. I mean, or she knows somebody like who like really intimately explained it to her. Yeah, there's a lot of everything that she wrote about everything. And and I read the afterword and Same. I won't I won't go too much into it. But everything she wrote about, whether she did have experience in it or not, was so well researched and so well described that I believed every moment of it. In a way, her writing is so well informed, it really just kind of disappears into the background. Yeah. It's just it it it's like if you just took someone who is telling you exactly as something happened. There's no there's 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 no unbelievability. There's to nothing it. contrived about it. Yeah. Yeah, no she has a great sense of setting her time and place. Super impressive. And I actually have another one of her books on our shelves that we haven't read yet. It's like totally different sounding than any of this called Vermilion. Oh, I've seen that on the shelf. I, yeah. I want to check that out. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to explore her writing more. Good job. Good job, Molly Tanzer. Round of applause. Round of applause. All right. So let's talk about appeal. Okay. So uh, 
I'm going to go ahead and start with appeal as well. Um, I'm going to give this book a general appeal. I think that horror in in general can be difficult to surpass that, but I was really, really str- struggling and almost want to give it broad. I think that when it comes to the demons, it... Uh, it is very typical horror that people who are not comfortable with that sort of thing can't really get on board. But at the same time, there's these universal themes of racism, sexism, uh, family dynamics that are so well described and so relatable. I don't know. I, I'm really between general and broad. I totally see that. Um, I guess general is a pretty good place to land because I think you should have some general interest in horror or you should have some general interest in historical fiction. And that's going to help you a lot. But really, like, it's a wide net, I think, of people that could be intrigued by and enjoy this book. I will say it's more on the slow burn side of things or um, almost like we're you're not expecting a action-y thing to happen, a particularly horrifying scene to happen, and it kind of sneaks up on you. So it's not like a super, super fast-paced type of horror read, like not like a a thrilling thriller or anything, but it is scary and it's not long. So I I think that if it at all sort of like piques your interest, you should read it. I just it's hard for me because I would recommend this to our our fantasy nerds out there. Yeah. Our, our listeners so. yeah. Who, who focus on fantasy and don't always read our horror recommendations. Mm-hmm. I think that this I mean, this is in no way fantasy, but yeah. I don't I think that if or or on the other side of the coin, if you're like I said, a historical fiction fan oh, and you're sure. looking to kind of like uh, reach out your feelers a little bit more like I think this would be like you could recommend um, this book to your historical fiction friend yeah interestingly enough i didn't think about this until we just started talking about it but this is more of what i wanted the hunger to be something that's based on historical fiction but is a new telling not just a twist added in yeah Uh, what a twist this is this is historical horror at its best In my opinion. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. Totally loved it. Um, Obviously, you can tell this is a little bit of a love fest. And we're going to continue that into the spoiler section. Let's go. Hi, podcast listener. Are you that weirdo in your group of friends who loves horror movies? I sometimes like to see sick, nasty things. And this is kind of a sick, nasty movie. Do you wish you knew other weirdos who could let you know what's worth seeing in theaters and help you find those hidden gems on streaming platforms? No, the trailer should be like, it'll make you feel... Uneasy. Then you should check out The Bloodlust, because that's what we've been doing since 2014. Every other week, we bring you a new in-depth review of films from all over the wide map of horror. I'm always fond of found footage movies. That's a lot of Fs. Nordic noir. Ooh, I love mm. it. Ghost jumping out of you does not a horror movie make. <laughs> Highbrow or lowbrow, indie or blockbuster, The Bloodlust respects them all. I love me a good epic adventure. We pride ourselves on giving our opinions without being snobs or d-bags about it. I don't like this movie. 100% not but. Yeah, and I hate movies that are over two hours long just on principle. Sometimes we can get a little dark. Mental torture. That's what life is. That's what adult life is like. Yeah, I know. I don't need any more of it. Right. See, that's But it's very cathartic to me. But it's all in good fun. So come join us at thebloodlust.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
and celebrate the best and most misunderstood genre of them all. That's the difference between me and you guys. You guys saw it and you were like, wow, interesting exploration of the human feelings. And I saw it and I'm like, my nervous system is overloaded and I'm going to vomit. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the spoiler section. Okay, grab your cat, grab your cocktail. I have a cat right now. <laughs> no cocktail, though. Um, so speaking of cocktails, she kind of covered this a lot with the uh, the moonshine. They kind of talk about cocktails a little bit more. I'm a big uh, fan of Prohibition era cocktails, and I really wanted to have like a French 75 and a lot of gin based drinks while I was reading this. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I noticed that uh, Molly Tanzer has also wrote a, a cocktail recipe book. Or yeah, she edited it or something. Yeah, yeah. so she's a co-editor. Yes, I it, I get the impression that she does have a uh, uh, an interest in that. I yeah. would have liked a few more specific recipes. Yeah, that's my big complaint in this book is I needed more things that I could learn about to then drink. I wanted poisoner level descriptions of their cocktails. I agree. So obviously we really liked this. I'm going to be honest, I can't find a whole lot of faults in this book or things that I would have wanted differently or wanted to change. We all know I'm I love lush descriptive pose. Uh, <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe's. <laughs> um, Lush descriptive Edgar yeah, Allan Poe's. Yes, I love him. But I also like prose when they're the same way. And I could have used a little bit more zhuzhing, kind of like we were just talking about the cocktails. Like I wanted to know more about what Ellie wore every day and what Finn wore every day and more details to like what their homes lo- looked like. Um, a better depiction for me of Ellie Skiff because I don't know boats that well. I hundred yeah. percent. I I wanted more about the Skiff that well, is in my notes. That's I, just a minor foothold. I wanted to know exactly what it looked like. It's like okay, so what kind of boat is this? Is it just like a dinghy? Is yeah. it what, what's going on here? Yeah, I love how you pick up on the boat specifically. <laughs> I'm talking about other things and the boat is an example. Did. Yeah, but um. I could have used one more with that. But that's not to say that there isn't a lot of really um, beautiful depictions in this book. Like, I think when she's describing the rainbow, that kind of oil spill thing, the um, the mushroom nodule creatures. I love mushrooms. love to eat them. love to look at them. Not the hallucinogenic kind. Just mushrooms in general. I find them really beautiful and also really cute. Um, and I thought she did a really cool job of talking about that that stuff and and then later in the book the concepts of like what these like mushrooms really are um loved all that yeah there is there is definitely room for more uh description in the book but at the same time i think it was a deliberate choice in the way that this book is very much about emotions and feelings yes. and emotional state yeah and a lot of the, the the time is used to describe that for each of the characters and where they are and what they're feeling and and the thought process on why maybe they're not telling their loved ones the truth about things and why why maybe in this case case just you know just explaining something to someone wouldn't actually solve all the issues my point is she uses heavy description on specifically the fungus because that's important it's important no i I, yeah i I know what you're what you're saying set the scene yeah Yeah, of like kind of she was um deliberately picking what she thought was important to expound upon um 
I liked both the girls. Like, it's funny because I I liked reading from Finn's perspective more, but I related more to Ellie. Um, she's real, you know, working class um, from a tough world. And that's like my background. And I really appreciated seeing a character who's from that world. Like, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that. <laughs> but I liked the way Finn thought about things. And the way she explored things and watching her grow as a person and a character. Ellie goes to a great arc too. But Finn's was more fascinating for me. So I don't want to pick sides. Well, I, I especially <laughs> like throughout the book as Finn is kind of realizing that, you know, everyone is telling her one thing. Everyone is describing her experience to her as one thing. Yes. And she remembers it totally different. Yeah. That, that's I, yeah. why I said, like, she's she's kind of being gaslighted through the whole book by yeah. all these other people. They they tell her what she's doing and how she's acting and yes. and even why she's doing it. She's yes. like, that's that's not at all. That's not at all what I what I know what's happening. It's screwed up, man. And it makes her feel a little bit crazy. And so when she sees when she sees something that is legitimately crazy. Yeah. Of course, no one would ever believe her. I um I think we both we kind of touched on a little bit in the beginning. Uh, appreciated the exploration of ethnic relations, race relations in this book. Scott and I are both um, not people of color, but we like diversity in our books and we like to see diversity. It's really important to us, all different kinds of diversity. And it was nice to have that explored in here as an additional horror. Like, because that scene at SJ Shack, I was on... (sighs) edge the entire time same thing when they come and they confront gabriel for you know how dare you be a polish immigrant it it was the same thing where that was the stuff that really scared me that's the stuff that had me on edge because i'm like you know they're people and they're filled with like this righteousness this religious fervor and i don't trust what they can do to other humans that they feel are other right now the scariest part is in the humanity of the of the cult basically yes. it, it's you take the demon out of it and everything that they were doing still was a hundred percent believable it's something that is that is true at the time and relevant today oh yeah and, and it made me very uncomfortable and i have to say for me as you know not a person of color I found it horrifying in, in a way that was, I don't want to say enjoyable, but yeah. appreciated. Yes. I am I I'm always concerned when it comes to to situations of that, of recommending that to people of color. Because well, yeah, because we can't say from like a personal experience besides our own, yeah. which is, you know, different. I, I think that there's a lot of really uh, uh, triggering moments in there if you were, if you are um, a subject to that sort of discrimination. Yeah. And, you know, as with all historical things, as we've talked about, it's hard to be anything but a Christian, heterosexual, Caucasian, affluent male <laughs> like in history, especially in America, um, Western civilization, maybe. Like, if you're not, like, fitting that very specific box, life was very hard for you. And, you know, and it kind of 
you know, you, you see that in this book for sure. I really liked SJ. I think SJ could have her own book. She was very um, entertaining to me. And we got just enough backstory to like really want me to like want more from her too. But I get it. This this particular tale is not SJ's tale. It's Ellie and Finn's tale. Uh, what, I th- what I found interesting about SJ in particular is I did not catch that she was that she was black until later on in the book. They kind of allude to it in the beginning. Okay. I mean, I got it right away. Okay, so I don't think. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. I, I, w- I mean, I was, I was really interested in like, is that something that she just kind of like w- wove in later, or if that was something that was just that was just very subtle at the beginning? I, I think that it was um, subtle for you as a reader. Myself and a lot of other people will pick up right okay. away. Um, sure. Let's talk about some juicy demon stuff. Yeah. So. Mm, I love some I love me some demons. I love when demons have a lot of personality, as we've talked about before. This um gave me a lot of vibes back to the good demon uh that we read last year. Mm-hmm. Um it gave me some Anne Rice Lasher vibes. Um you know, like where the demon is an unreliable narrator, the demon has its own agenda. The demons are from their own world. They do not belong to a Judeo-Christian world. Um, all that good demon stuff. Oh man, I love, I love the way she depicts demons. It's also why I really like that the one demon we really have a discussion with as the yeah. reader is the one is the truth demon. He's like so dry and like so fun. But at the same time, it's like, I know I shouldn't be laughing because I'm sure we can't trust this creature. But, um, you know, I I don't know. He just has that coyness in a way with words. But you get the impression. I mean, you really get a a feel for for the demons in general because he doesn't really care at all. Humanity is very... It's a it's very thing, meh really. for him. It's very M E H. It's very meh. His big thing is, yeah, every once in a while I like to like just pretend I'm a human for a while, but I mean really I don't give two shakes about you guys. But he also two was two shakes of the cocktail <laughs> shaker. But he was but he but you know, I, I get the impression that that demon was speaking the truth at all times. Their truth, their own truth. Yeah. But 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 truth nonetheless. Yes. And, and I liked that that was the experience. That was the the perspective that we were introduced to. You know, we're left with ideas of what this other demon's uh, uh, intentions were. But at the end of the day, it was really just for destruction. They're they're just very alien. Um. So that, I mean, kind of jumping around a little bit, but the end of the book where, you know, Finn's kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. That demon will collect its due. I don't think, I don't think they are. I think that's kind of the great ambivalence and also kind of a messing with and an FU that the demons feel. Cause he, and he tells her as much. He's like, I might come tomorrow. I might never come. Who knows? I get busy. And it's just like, oh, you are so not human. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, I think I think that's I, I mean, when you compare her experience at the end towards the uh, the the writings that that they talk about and that's at the beginning of every part, it almost feels like that is the deal. The novelization you're talking about, the the ginger eaters. Book? Yeah. Yeah. Where well no, it's not the ginger eaters. It's the one that Finn read as a kid. Yeah, where the yeah. girl becomes more and more separated from the people that she loves. Yes. And there's no there's never really a a moment in that story where she is 
where she is truly 100% taken over by the demon, I almost feel like that is kind of the demon's intention. They just want, that particular demon in particular, Mm -hmm. they just want you to separate yourself forever from everybody you love and alienate your own self. It's pretty screwed up, but I like it. Um, I love that sort of flashbacks and a lot of references to those books uh, about Susanna and Miss Depth written by Georgina, whatever face was, that Finn was like kind of obsessed with. I mean, as a book nerd, you love it when your characters are book nerds too. And when they kind of reference like written works as like kind of like their Bible, you know, kind of like in the Hazelwood and stuff too. Yeah. And um, I, I just... I love that. So, so such a tasty little Easter egg goes down real nice. Yeah, all of the characters in this book have their own hobbies and interests and quirks and tastes. That's, I mean, they're so well realized. And I agree. The fact that uh, a few of those characters were so much into reading was was really just kind of a, a friendly, warm hug from the author. Yes, gotta you know, gotta unite us bookworms. So I feel like we should probably round this out i agree i will start um how many nodules pustules uh um demonic mushroom mushroom caps spores rainbow spores rainbows no rainbow moats. cases of moonshine cases of moonshine okay there we go how many cases of moonshine out of five would i give this book now talking about how much i really liked it and how much there's not a lot I could change. Um, obviously, I'm going to give this a pretty high score. I- I'm going to give it four out of five cases of moonshine. Like, you know, for me to really go all the way, I-, I need to feel it down into my bones a little bit more impactful. But this is still a win. Molly really reeled me in. I'm going to be reading more of her works. We follow her on social media. I'm totally into her. I'm rooting for her. And she wrote something that I really loved reading. Um So that having been said, I guess give me four cases of your best moonshine, maybe not the Diabolist blend. Right. I I have trouble between four and five cases. Uh, I wanted more at the end, but that's my own personal thing because I just wanted to see a little bit more happiness before I left their story. Uh, and I, I kind of like that bleakness. But this is an execution score. And I think that I think that her intention was to leave it with a sadness and a bleakness. And at the end of the day, she executed on that. Absolutely. And so I, I don't. Demonic stories should have a nihilism bent to them. Yeah, I don't see how I can give it. Okay, I'm going to give it four cases and a half case of the Diabloists uh, moonshine. Oh, I think that's fair. It's it's almost five cases. No, a, ca- a case, a full case of Diabloist moonshine. <laughs> I'm giving it... But it's like a ghost case. Yeah. So it's five cases. One of the cases is questionable, but it's all there. (laughs) I came through on my debt on what I was, uh, (laughs) was, you know, told to produce. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful book. Obviously, if you're still with us, you read it or you want to read it and don't care about spoilers. Either way, uh, we are so excited to be back again before air long with another female written horror uh, project, which is going to be Brother by Anya Alborn. We did post that on social media. So, you know, 
take a look. We'll see you in two weeks with that. Okay. Good night, Scott. Good night, Sandra. Good night, junkies. Please keep reading past your bedtime. 